0: Welcome to Little Universe, the podcast where we discuss small spaces, miniature marvels, and interior worlds. This season, we are focusing on maladaptive daydreaming, and this is our last episode. This time, I'll be playing a few different interviews that will be loosely centered around ways of lessening maladaptive daydreaming and how to support someone who has MD. So if you or a loved one have MD, these are some pieces of advice that might help with managing it. As others have mentioned, there is no real cure or solution to MD, and the tips mentioned in this episode are by no means one size fits all. This is just what happened to work for the people that I interviewed. But I thought sharing these experiences might be able to help someone. I also thought it was important to share how people with MD hope others will react when they talk about their condition, so that's the focus of today's interviews. The first person I interviewed is a 20-something woman from Morocco who wishes to remain anonymous. She struggled with maladaptive daydreaming since childhood, and she thinks it might have been the result of being bullied. And can you tell me about your journey with maladaptive daydreaming?
1: So basically... So I mentioned earlier that I was bullied right when I was a child so basically what happened is that I didn't have much friends or technically in elementary school I specifically didn't have any friends. So I was very lonely back then, and I guess as a way to escape all that I started like forming different worlds or different realities in my head, you know, like how we all have imaginary friends when we're younger, so I kind of did that and the only difference is that it stuck with me as I grew older so. Yeah.
0: How do you hope someone would react when you tell them that you have this?
1: Uh, I would hope for them to listen, like sit down and listen properly, because this kind of thing, it's like I know for me it was very hard to say it at the beginning, because I was very it's, it's like it's like hard, you know, and it's uh, it's something that I can or you before I can easily uh, be embarrassed about. And I've also like seen a lot of like rude comments towards people like me on the internet for other people who've actually like said out loud that they that they have this problem. So I would hope for people not to judge and they should know that this is something that actually could have happened to anyone to be honest, because people with this daydreaming problem, it usually happens because of past trauma or past problems that um, their brain just decided to, you know, it's something that just happens in childhood, but not but not always. Also in like in adulthood and so forth. But the, my point is, is that it's something that's more normal than, not more normal, it happens more than they think. A lot of people probably have it, it's just that not a lot of us come out and say it. So it's probably more common than they think. And so I would like them not to judge when they hear someone tell them what they have.
0: How can people raise awareness about maladaptive
1: daydreaming? Posting about it, I guess. Making sure that people know, like the true facts. You know, uh, try to reduce any kind of misconception, and yeah, they can raise awareness with any method that, like any other. For example, how a person would raise awareness for cancer. The same. It's the same way because daydreaming. At least this kind of problem, it can be compared to an addiction if it's like in in its extreme form. If you really cannot stop doing it and then it starts to take over your life, then you're going to lose everything that's around you. Just like, for example, how drug addicts.
0: What are some of the misconceptions people might have about maladaptive daydreaming?
1: So for one, one misconception is that we don't know the difference between reality and what's in our minds. That's um, two is that we're crazy, <laughs> you know, because we're, we're, we're kind of like talk, talking to ourselves inside our head. But it's like it's like it's like how you would talk to an imaginary friend as a child, just that it sticks with us. That's all. Um, so that's the second misconception. And yeah, that's all I can think of for now. But yeah, off the top of my head.
0: This is my last question. Um, I was wondering if you were to give advice to your younger self who is at the start of this maladaptive
1: daydreaming journey, what would you say? So for a while now, I've practically, not for a while, for like over the years, I've kind of blamed my younger self for starting this whole daydreaming thing. Um, But because of like therapy and me willing to stop all this daydreaming problem, I learned how to forgive myself, my younger self, and realized that what I did as a child was just a defense mechanism for what was going on around me. It was like a survival method because I was lonely. I didn't really receive much affection. And so I had to grab onto whatever affection I could find, which was in my head. And um, I guess I wouldn't really give any advice to my younger self because what's done is done. But I do want to say that I forgive my younger self.
0: Next, I talk to a young woman who wishes to go by the name Madison, not her real name. She's had MD for many years, but it's gotten progressively worse. Luckily, she's found a few ways to somewhat keep it in check. So Madison, thank you so much for joining me today. Would you like to
2: introduce yourself? What should I say about myself? I'm a student at Walla Walla University, usually, although I'm taking a year off from college at the moment because I am struggling with maladaptive daydreaming, and I currently work a couple part-time jobs. What were you studying in school? Biblical languages. So Greek and Hebrew. really enjoyed that. What sparked your interest in that? I have always really enjoyed the Bible and wanted to be able to read it in its original languages. And I loved learning languages throughout high school. And so I decided to, to put those two loves together. So uh, you
0: mentioned that you struggle with maladaptive daydreaming. Can you describe how you discovered that you have this condition?
2: Yeah, so I think I've had this condition since I was very, very young, like at least since kindergarten. My parents tell me that they would ask me uh, at the end of every school day um, what, what I did and I would tell them that during recess, I would just wander around the playground and think thoughts, as I put it to them. And I don't remember what those thoughts were, but likely I was daydreaming um, and too busy daydreaming to really play with other children. It was in high school that I started to realize that my daydreaming was a bit of a problem I didn't tell anyone about this problem until a couple of years ago. Um, I confessed to my parents that I I have what I really consider to be an addiction to daydreaming. And um, from there, I, I started researching more and discovered that there was this thing called maladaptive daydreaming and that I wasn't the only person in the world who had this thing.
0: How does maladaptive daydreaming impact your daily
2: life? Um, well, hugely. It means that I can't go to school, um, can't do a lot of work. Um, sometimes I'll spend an entire day daydreaming if, if I don't Stop myself, and um, I think it it makes real life just feel like this big blah in comparison with my daydream world, um, and so I think I enjoy life a lot less because compared to the daydream, it's just not interesting. You mentioned
0: earlier that you told your parents, um, that you have maladaptive daydreaming. Can you describe sort of how that conversation went?
2: Yeah. So I was overseas at the time, um, volunteering as an English teacher. So I, I called him up. Um, I had to spend about an hour just like psyching myself up to do it. And, um, when I called, my parents were busy. <laughs> so that was um, kind of <laughs> a letdown. And so then I had to psych myself up to do it again. And this time they weren't busy. And so I, I told them there was a lot of tears. Um, I told them, you, you know, I, I think I'm an addict and um they had a difficulty believing that at first it was like I was I was like no I'm not addicted to drugs or alcohol but I'm I think I'm addicted to daydreams and they were like are you sure I mean who's who's never heard of that and um but they they were very sympathetic and encouraged me to Seek help and so I did. Did you feel better after that conversation? Definitely. It was like this huge release. a oh, big burden lifted off my shoulders. What advice
0: would you give to your younger self who's at the start of this journey with maladaptive daydreaming? Hmm, I think I
2: would tell her to seek help. I think I should have done that earlier. Maybe also to try to make more of an effort to stop. Because I think the longer you go as a maladaptive daydreamer, the more more addicted to it you get. And so I think it would have been easier for me to stop at an earlier age.
0: What are some of the misconceptions that people have about maladaptive daydreaming?
2: I think... Not everybody understands what a serious problem it is because, you know, daydreaming is a normal, healthy thing for most people. Um, And so, like, how I think it's difficult for some people to see, like, how that could become an unhealthy thing, Um, especially if they don't have daydreams that are so vivid or emotionally intense I think the the difference is that when you're a maladaptive daydreamer it's like these daydreams become a substitute for real life and they become a lot more emotionally satisfying and fulfilling than real life and you get to know people in the daydream a lot better than you get to know people in real life and it's, yeah, it's not a healthy thing. What is the
0: process for um, lessening or getting rid of MD? Um, I would
2: say um, going to therapy. Um, meditation helps, like I mentioned. And taking the best possible care I can of my physical health. Also, I've joined a group called Emotions Anonymous. It's a 12-step program for people with emotional issues, which I think this is. What can um, someone who has a loved
0: one who has maladaptive daydreaming do to support them?
2: I guess um, be be willing to talk about it with, with them. And um, if, if they want to have you like distract them from from their daydreams um you could offer that so for example um my dad knocks on my door every morning to like get me up out of bed because I generally daydream when I first wake up in the morning and so in order to help stop that he's helps, helps make sure that I get out of bed and start doing something to distract myself.
0: Do you find distractions to be helpful in preventing daydreaming?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So whenever I feel the urge to daydream, um, and I'm trying to resist, I usually go and play the piano because it's impossible to daydream and play the piano at the same time. And also, like playing the piano is like it allows me to express the feelings that I want to feel by daydreaming in a way that's not daydreaming. Um, if i'm if I don't have the piano, if I'm doing something else, I'm away from home, then I find something else to do, like play a game on my phone. Usually, that breaks the the craving. How long have you played piano for? Well, I literally just started last year. Oh, wow. So it's a new thing for me. And have you been enjoying it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think it's it's really therapeutic because it distracts me from daydreaming. And
0: Do you have any other creative outlets
2: that help with your MD? Not so much, but another outlet that has helped me with maladaptive daydreaming is um, taking a self-defense class, um, taking Krav maga. So since my daydreams are violent, I think it's been helpful for me to like develop an aggressive part of myself in real life. Because, in real life, I'm like a very gentle, sensitive kind of person, very petite woman. And um, so it's like it it just feels good to develop that side of
1: myself
0: Lastly, I was able to interview Kendall, a nineteen year old from Pennsylvania. Although she thinks maladaptive daydreaming will be a permanent fixture in her life she's found ways to still be productive and has used creative outlets like writing fan fiction to help lessen her daydreaming Can you tell me a little bit about your journey with maladaptive daydreaming
3: Um I've been doing it for as long as I can remember I started out by listening to music Like on a little cheap mp3 player and i just remember like really getting into i'd say really getting into like just imagining a different world i don't really know how else to describe it it's been going on for years and it just happened i don't really know when it started or what really triggered it, but it just started happening and I've been doing it ever since. Um, I didn't understand what it was. I just thought that there was a normal thing people did. And when I tried to explain it, people didn't really understand. So only until a couple years ago, I, re- I realized what it was through um, research and kind of really getting into what was the matter with me. Because I was tr- also getting into therapy at that time and I wanted to know how to explain it to someone else and maybe they could give me answers but not even my therapist knew so i that's how i kind of ended up into different um groups talking about it i first found a kind of a community on tumblr and then i started searching for other forums like i ended up on facebook i know people that talk about it on instagram it just, the way that they're describing it, it was, it was a huge relief for me, because it was exactly what I've been trying to say my whole life to other people, and it was, it just, everything came together.
0: You mentioned earlier that you're interested in various artistic pursuits, and I was curious, do your daydreams influence your art
3: at all? Very much. (laughs) When I actually, one of the things that they said to do with and is to find a creative outlet and i didn't really have that much but um well even before i knew how to handle it i started writing you know fan fiction because that's usually where it would stem from i every time i watched movies tv shows that's usually where my daydreams would come from so i thought maybe if i wrote about them it would kind of help it and kind of take my mind away from doing it, you know all day. So I started writing fan fiction. I got a pretty good response for for it, and my sister, who also did it, she was very supportive. So I kind of stuck with it. And everything that I write is based on a daydream or something that I can I made up in my head.
0: Where do you share your writing online?
3: Um, it started on Tumblr, which is the first place where I started reading this stuff. For about the first year, I was just reading. And they have a lot of uh, self-insertive stories, which is what my daydreams are. And I was so excited about that. And that really what helped me kind of grow out of doing it for so many hours in the day i could just read about it and i was reading so that's when i started i posted my first story and i got some pretty good responses and i felt more confident i was taking you know harder classes in school and i felt like i was i had a better vocabulary i was still reading other stories which were also helping my writing so i it really helped me get into What I do now. um, It really helped me be more confident in my work, and it's definitely been really helpful. (laughs) I like when people kind of can relate to those stories. I like when people can read those stories and be really happy with them because that's also helped me with what I'm dealing with. So it was, I enjoy posting about them. I haven't done so recently, but um, I'm starting to get back into it and starting to get back into my writing and doing things, and it's, I definitely missed it. But um, I haven't posted it anywhere else, but there are other platforms where I've read different fan fiction things, and it's, I think there was some on Instagram that I read that were also self-insertive, but then that's mostly what I write is self-insertive. I can't write much else, but um, people definitely seem to respond to, and I think that's what helped when I was younger.
0: When did you realize that MD was something that you wanted to get help with?
3: Um. I would say, as I was getting into my teenage years, uh, it was, that's when I started to realize like this isn't something I wanna be doing my whole life, you know, listening to music for hours on end, especially like when music isn't available. Um, I know that when it started when I was younger, it didn't really seem like a problem because I didn't have a lot of responsibilities other than chores or maybe homework. But um, when I started shirking a lot of school stuff, you could definitely see it in my grades. And my sister and my brother, they were getting into therapy and I thought, well, I might as well too, to talk about this. And that's that's actually when I first started researching it, was when they were getting into therapy because, I was like, I want I want a name for it. I want a word for it. And when I realized and I saw that other people, they didn't really have a, a cure for it. It wasn't even that well known. Um, But I, people were talking about how it had completely taken over their lives, even as adults. And I was like, I don't want that to happen to me. I didn't want that to. I didn't want to be that person that was just in this daydream world when I'm supposed to be doing, you know, pretty important things. And I didn't want to do that at my job or um, like if I ever got to be in a relationship with someone and I didn't want that to be a problem. I didn't want to dissociate while I'm supposed to be associating. I didn't want things to get out of hand. So it was either I talked to somebody about it or I got control over it and i tried talking to somebody and it didn't work out the way that i wanted it to so i thought i need to get control over it and i would say um the past i'd say up to about five years ago is when i really started honing down on it and that's when i started high school but it didn't it took me a while to get control and to actually understand what works for me. Um, but it, I definitely knew that it was a problem at that point. I would say about 2015, 2016, I definitely wanted to either get rid of it or manage it. What would you
0: tell your younger self who is at the start of this MD journey?
3: Um, I would definitely tell them that you're not the only person and that it's okay to want to escape, but it's not okay for you to miss out on important things. Because at that age, like you had to really force me out of the house to do things. I mean, I liked doing things and I liked going out and I liked... um, like going to the park or going to football games because I understood at that time like I can't reach for my mp3 player and listen to music so I knew that it would get me out of those situations um, but I would definitely tell him that it's okay to feel this way and it's okay to um, want to escape but it's also okay to talk about it to want help to express your feelings and to try to understand who you are as well as other people like you don't have to be by yourself in this which is what i i thought when i was younger you know being the the middle child you can kind of get lost in the mix of things and my sister she was getting um a lot of track rewards and she was doing really well and my brother he always had straight A's or was doing also really well in school and I didn't I wasn't an outstanding person like I didn't have a lot of outstanding achievements but um I would definitely tell my younger self that I don't really need to compare I don't really need to be anyone else or imagine myself as anyone else or be somewhere else other than who I am. And I think that was, I have um, a, a skin condition where people would definitely notice or they would talk about it and I always imagine myself without it. And I would definitely tell my younger self that it's, that people don't notice as often as they do. Um, and that it, my appearance or what I'm feeling isn't wrong. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. And I think that's definitely what my younger self would need to hear is that there's nothing wrong with you.
0: Thank you for joining me this season. I hope it was helpful, and whether you yourself struggle with maladaptive daydreaming, or if you're just interested in the subject, I hope you got something out of it. And thank you to everyone who helped me out with this and opened up about their experiences with MD. I really appreciate it.